him a hand of praise. Come on up, Ray. Now, uh, Ray is going to be sharing for just a moment. I want you to know that we have a plan in God for your children. Uh, we've been working on this, talking about it, praying about it. And here's where we're going. We've got a plan for your children from cradle to 18. Cradle to 18. And what we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to begin. Now, I'm going to let Ray pick up with this pretty quickly, but we're starting soon what's called Strike Force, the beginning. And Ray's going to talk about that. And we have a plan that if we have your children from first grade on, of course, below that they get ministered to as well, but this is where Ray comes in. First grade on, we've got about a 12-year plan. Because, listen, if somebody doesn't teach your children about God, somebody's going to teach your children about not living for God. And so we want to teach them because we're living in a generation of teachers that are teaching things that are not biblical to your kids and my kids. So Ray's going to share about what's coming up. Amen. How are you guys doing this morning? Praise God. Uh, pastor's exactly right. You know, this is not the same day that you lived in when you were a kid in children's church and Sunday school. You knew that, right? Not if you agree with that. It's not the same day. Coloring sheets don't work anymore, do they? We got to get to their hearts. We got to get into their souls, into their spirits, and we got to do something different. It's a new day, and our kids need you, and they need us to relevate. Say relevate. That means to change and become better. And so right now, we have a change, and we're getting better every day. The Spirit of God is teaching us how to do this, and we have a group of kids right now who are chomping at the bit to learn more about God. And right. it's called Strike Force the Beginning. Any child eight and nine years old is ready to sign up for this. This is not a Sunday school class. This is a life course. This is going to teach children how to fall in love with God, and nothing will shake their faith. Right. Nothing. Because they live in a day when everything tries to do that. And so right. these kids are out there. They're going to sign these. We have 40 kids right now want to become part of this. 40 kids. Right. That's where you come in. As their parents, we need you to grab one of these forms. If you already haven't got one, grab it, fill it out, bring it back. You have till May 1st. There's a deadline because this is an elite group. 40 kids who want to get in this. Every child can if they sign up. We want you on this. But we have a great need. We need a couple with great excitement for Jesus, with great energy for Jesus, and great love for kids. This is not babysitting. This is not Sunday school. This is something different. We want you with all of your imaginations intact so that you can go crazy with some kids and have a great time and take these kids into strength in God. So we need you. I need a couple of people, man and wife preferably, to come and talk to me today. If there's more than one couple, wonderful. We'll split this class up, this group up, and we'll have them in different places. But we need you today. We need you now. This class, this not class, but this, this life course starts in May. It doesn't start next week. starts in May, and we need you to help us. 
desperately need you. So these, these forms are out there. One last thing. Can I take one second more? Sure. Summer camp is on our heels right now. And uh, we have kids who want to go. And they fill out these forms right here to go to Summer Camp in East Texas, $190 for a week-long course in how to live for Jesus called Mad Camp. It's going to be great. How to make a difference. Wouldn't you like to make a difference in the world? Start with one child. And if you want to, you don't have any children, but you, but you want to help a child, there's a sponsor sheet out there. It's this one right here with the great letters were saying sponsor. Grab one of those, fill it out, and put a check inside there. Pray over it, and we'll keep you... We'll keep you informed as to how that child is doing. You'll get a postcard that week during camp, seeing how God is touching their lives. But we need you this week. 120 kids can go to camp this year, and we want to take them all. Amen. Thank you, all right. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Isn't that great? And I tell you, we really do have a plan for them. We're going to teach them. We're going to stand together, and we're going to worship one more time and put the verses up for today. And we're going to get into the Word of God. But let's worship right before we do Holy one more song. Is the Lord, God quickly in our talk on the hill we're going through Jesus talk on the hill hitting the high points because every word's a high point but I'm bringing out some of the more difficult to understand sayings of Jesus and today I'm going to talk about the things you treasure because Jesus did he talked about the things we treasure let's look at it don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, it's time. Ready? Say what? How do you store something up in heaven? Let's look. 
Jesus tells us the truth about people. Now look what he says. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Nobody can serve two masters. You're going to hate one and love the other, or you're going to be devoted to one, and you're going to despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray that it changes us as disciples and apprentices of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up and listen. You're going to need this. We're going through the talk on the hill, which is also known as the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to just kind of remind you today that in Jesus' talk on the hill, we've seen that he deals with problems in the heart of fallen man. Jesus, the master philosopher, the master psychiatrist, the master doctor of the soul, deals with the basic fundamental root problems of the human heart in the Sermon on the Mount or the talk on the hill. And I want you to understand that the intent of the talk on the hill, which is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the the intent of the talk on the hill is to deliver his followers from spiritual heart conditions that destroy and ruin them. That's his intent for the talk on the hill. If we will do what he said, and it's like climbing a ladder, he starts out with one issue and he climbs the ladder. When you get to the top of the ladder, you've got a kingdom heart. You have a heart like his. And that's really what he's after. And you find that with every issue he deals with, once you are healed and delivered of the issue he addresses, then you are one step closer to a kingdom heart, one step closer to walking with him, one step closer to having a heart and a worldview and seeing people in life just like he did. And he fully intended to invade every realm of your life. He didn't come just to give you fire insurance. He came to change you now, to deliver you now, to give you abundant life now. It's not just about heaven someday. It's about the kingdom among us now. Now remember, he begins with anger and contempt. Anger and contempt towards one another. Of course, I know Christians never have that, but get the CD and take it to somebody who you know needs that. He deals with anger and contempt towards one another. That's first out of the chute. Then he confronts the issue of sexual lust, and he shows us how to be free of it. Moving from there, he deals with why we do what we do in religious activities like prayer fasting and giving why you do what you do we talked about it last week and he taught us that we're to live for an audience of one we are to live for an audience of one not for people but we live for him amen now today we're going to look at the next thing on Jesus hit list and it is our treasures the things we treasure Jesus informs us right off the bat he wants us to know something today that every one of us harbor a treasure, every one of us. And ultimately, you're going to crown just one thing, the prime treasure of your life. 
There is not a person in here today, according to Jesus Christ, who does not have a primary treasure. There is something you value, something you treasure, more than anything else in your life. Jesus let us know that the human heart is wired in such a way that we can't can't worship duplicitously. We can't worship two things at once. You're going to crown one thing the treasure of your life. Now, when Jesus used the word treasure, what was in his mind? What, what, what did he mean? What was he talking about when he said treasure? A treasure is something you try to keep and you try to protect because of the value you place on it. Whatever your treasure is, you're trying to keep it and you're trying to protect it. That's the nature of how we deal with our treasures. A treasure is something we keep and we protect It may not be of value to anybody else, but it is of value to us. We treasure it. If you've ever been downtown and watched the homeless people go by, I've done it many times, and they go by, and you'll notice that many of those homeless homeless people are pushing a little shopping cart. And it's all they have in in their entire life. That's it. They've got a little shopping cart. And you look in it, and you say, why are they even fooling with this? This is just junk. But to them, it's valuable. Because your treasure is whatever you decide it's going to be. And once you treasure it, you live to keep it and you live to protect it. When I was a young boy, I always had a treasure. I was thinking back about it. Man, there was hardly a a time in my life as a kid I didn't have a treasure. It started out with marbles. Man, I had a marble collection. Now, if you know anything about marbles, you'll know what I'm talking about when I say I had the peewee marbles, the tiniest little, little marbles you could get. I had shooters, boulders, steelies, cat's eyes, bumblebees, clearies, agates. All you marble fans say, hey, amen, I know what you're talking about. I had them all, and I kept them in my lunchbox. And man, I'll tell you, we would get out on the streets when I was a kid, and we would play marbles, And we were masters as kids at shooting a marble down those curbs, way down a few houses down, hitting somebody else's marble and winning it. I wish I still had that marble collection, but it's gone. But then I moved on to a rock collection, and I got into going out to the woods and to railroad tracks and gathering all kinds of different rocks. I had tons of fool's gold and amethyst and different crystals of all kinds. I looked for Indian arrowheads and Indian hatchet heads, and I found them on the railroad tracks made of flint, real ones. And I gathered them and kept them and protected them and put them in a box. And I had a place in my closet for my treasure. And there I would put all those rocks. Wish I still had that rock collection. But then I moved on to comic books. Oh, I love comic books. My week my week led up to the moment my dad would te- take me to Sun Rexall Drugstore and let me go into the comic book section and leave me alone. And there I went through all the comic books, read the latest ones, and I collected them. I had Superman, I had Batman, I had Flash Gordon, I had Green Lantern, I had the superheroes, Superboy, Supergirl, Super Everything. I even finally thought that I had a little bit of super in me pinned a towel on the back of my shirt one day, got on my one-story roof, and jumped. 
And I learned when I hit, I was not Superboy. I'm serious. Even as a, and I sure wish I had that collection. It'd be worth a lot of money now, but it's gone. But as a boy, I always had a treasure. You know why? Because we always accumulate treasure. We accumulate treasure. You accumulate treasure. There is something in your life that it is a treasure today. Jesus knew that. And here's what he knew. He knew that once we have a treasure noun, we will treasure it. Verb. We treasure what we treasure. We expend energy and time to protect and keep whatever it is we treasure. Have you noticed that intimacy between two people really begins when you share with each other what your treasure is? You really get to know somebody when they say, well, here's what I really value. And that's the beginning of intimacy between two people. When you know what they treasure, because that's a secret, and it's protected, and it's guarded, it's kept in a safe place, what you treasure. Your treasure can be something material, like I just named, or it can be immaterial, like your reputation, or a relationship, or your business, or a dream, or an aspiration, or a goal. And that thing is your treasure It is paramount, utmost, primary in your life. It is what you treasure and value and esteem and even live for and die for and expend energy for and spend your life pursuing. You've got a treasure. And not anything raises our hackles more or brings blood to our eyes or brings our claws out more than when our treasure is threatened. You come near somebody's treasure, whatever it is, and you got a she-bear on your hands because we protect that treasure. We guard that treasure. We keep that treasure no matter what it is. We reveal what our treasures are by what we try to protect and secure and keep, said Dallas Willard. What our treasurings are, and this is why Jesus talked about it, Listen carefully. What our treasurings are matter because it, re- it reveals whether or not our lives are built on the rock of Jesus' teachings or on materialism that passes away. Whatever your treasures are reveals something about the innermost of your soul, and that's why they matter. Because whatever you have treasured And crowned your primary treasure reveals everything about the level to which God has touched you or not. It reveals to what extent Jesus and his teachings have penetrated the depths of your soul. Because Jesus' intent is that once he comes into our life, he is our king primary treasure. I said, when Je- he didn't just come to give us fire insurance, I'll say it again. Jesus came to change you now, change your life now, totally renew your mind now, erase and replace your thinking with God's thinking now. 
He wants to build in you the character of Jesus Christ himself until you reach the fullness of the stature of the Son of God. And so he has come to get down into your innermost, innermost. I said he has come to permeate your entire being. Go down into the depths of your soul where you really live and change you. Change the way you view the world, view life, view people, view yourself. He came to mess with your stuff. I think of the best titles when I'm in the middle of preaching. He came to mess with your stuff. And if you don't know that that's what he's about, buckle your seatbelt. Because if you're a child of God, he's already set out to mess with your stuff. He's going to get down into your innermost being. And he is going to take some things out, put some things in, change some things here, change some things over there. He is not going to let up until the day you go to heaven. He's going to mess with your stuff. So say with me, I've got a treasure. We've all got a treasure. Stop thinking a minute. What is your treasure? What do you give your energy, your time, your focus, your all to pursuing and obtaining and achieving? The second thing Jesus tells us about treasure is to treasure things that are on the earth is not smart treasuring strategy. Since we're all going to have a treasure, we've all got one today. Jesus wants it to be him and his kingdom. That's why he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things are going to be added unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Isn't it funny how life begins to come together when your ultimate primary treasure becomes the kingdom of God? Isn't it funny how when you put Jesus at the center of your life, everything else seems to gather around that? Isn't it funny how when you crown Jesus, who he is anyway, king of kings, lord of lords, king of your heart, king of your soul, king of your life. Isn't it funny how life begins to come together around that and what you were pursuing before he was your treasure now begins to be added to you as a side benefit of seeking first the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, you want to get your life together, young person? Make Jesus the king of your life. Make him your primary pursuit. Make him your dearest treasure. And God will so bless your life. And believe me, if he's the king of your life, you're not going to miss one thing by not going with the world. To treasure something that is earthly and not a part of the kingdom of God is unwise treasuring, according to Jesus. Now, let me tell you why. Because when you take something of this earth, money, relationships, dreams, materialism, when you crown something like that, the treasure you're going to pursue, Jesus said, here's the problem, it's going to be stolen from you. You're going to have to say goodbye to it someday. It is a treasure that you cannot keep. And we need to hear Jesus on this. When you make something earthly your primary treasure, it's a treasure that you cannot keep. 
earthly treasures will pass away. By their very nature, you cannot keep them. The Bible reminds us that we brought nothing into this world. We're not taking anything out. You've heard me say it often, but there's no U-Hauls at a funeral. Because you can't take anything. If your treasure is earthly, whatever it is you're obtaining, you're not taking it with you. You're not taking one bit of it with you. Jesus said that moths and rust will destroy earthly treasures. Isn't it funny how when you've got an earthly treasure, how something always seems to get it? Have you noticed how your money makes wings and flies away? Man, you think you've got that money, you get a bonus, and isn't it amazing how you get that bonus and something pops up in your house, you got to spend it on, and it's gone. Jesus said earthly treasures have a way of getting away from you, and you will not take them with you. King Solomon lamented that after his labor in life, where he earned so much money, you can read about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. He laments that after getting all this great wealth, silver and gold and fame and fortune, quote, he must leave it to the man who will come after me. And that's the gist of earthly treasure. You must leave it. If you don't leave it to somebody, you'll leave it to something. Leona Helmsley left $12 million to her dog. But Leona Helmsley could not take anything with her. You can't take any earthly treasure with you. Now, I'm I'm wanting to lead you up to the way that Jesus thinks, the way he thought, the way he saw life. You will leave it to something or somebody else, but you won't take one dime, one nickel, one diamond, one ring, one piece of jewelry, nothing with you. Then what is Jesus' point when he says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth? That's not wise treasuring because moth and rust corrupt and thieves are going to break in and steal. He said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up treasures in heaven. Now I want you to say something with me. I can't take anything with me, but I can send it ahead of me. That's what Jesus Christ, the son of the living God who gave his blood to cover our sins and he rose again from the dead on the first Easter Sunday. That's what that Lord said. He said, you can't take anything with you, but if you live right, you can send it ahead of you. It's sort of like a, an eternal 401k. Can I just be honest with you today? Hello, everybody. We don't just have fire insurance. There are rewards that are going to be given on the other side. And Jesus said, he said, lay up for yourselves treasures, what you, what you value, lay up treasures in heaven. Heaven is the only place that corrosion can't reach your treasure and evil hearts can't touch your treasure and greed can't touch your treasure and a tornado can't take away your treasure. We've all had storms here recently. We lost roofs. We lost homes. The other day, I take a little walk every, just about every day with my dog and I go this one particular path and they had been building some new homes, two new homes in this path that I always take. 
And next to these new homes were these big, beautiful, big, beautiful brick two-story homes. And as I was walking through all the damage from that storm that hit a couple of weeks ago, I had noticed that they were almost finished with two brand new homes. And I looked, and lo and behold, they were standing in a big pile of wood and insulation and rubble. And the only difference between the ones that crashed and the ones that stood was rock. The ones that stood had brick. The only reason those houses fell in the storm, they hadn't been bricked yet. Jesus said, if you hear these sayings of mine and do them, it's like you built your house of bricks. And if you hear these sayings of mine and don't do them, the storms will come, the winds will blow, the rain will fall, the flood will beat against your house, your life. And if you have not built your life, on what Jesus gave us, Jesus taught us, there will be a crash. Your life, you may be saved and going to heaven, but you can still make the mistake of culturizing your life instead of biblicizing your life. And if you do that, when those winds blow, your, your faith caves, your life caves, everything you thought was solid is blown down because you didn't have the rock. That's why I'm sharing these messages with you. I'm telling you, don't live your life chasing after material things. Nothing wrong with having a bunch of money. There's nothing wrong with doing well in business and in life as long as it's not your treasure. Do, do you have your money or does your money have you? That's what Jesus is saying. He taught that the wise, the wise life the wise living is to live with eternity in view. Live with eternity in view. See, if I don't believe in God and I don't believe there's anything beyond here, I hoard everything I can, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow I die. And from the ashes I came to the ashes I return and there's nothing beyond here. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus said, as soon as you die, it's like you walk through a door and you go into another world. And it's the world of eternity. It is the world of the Spirit. It is eternity. It never ends. Do you know what your life is according to the Bible? It's the blink of an eye sandwiched between two eternities. Blink your eye. If I take eternity past and eternity future, that blink is way longer than what your life looks like between two eternities. But this is the time where Jesus gave us the opportunity to store up treasures in heaven, to send something ahead, to live for him, to live wisely. It's not all about gobbling up food like some grasshopper on a bunch of leaves. And then you die. You get with some people, and that's just about what you, what you, what you see. What's up? I'm just getting a bunch of money. But then their time comes, and they die. And I've been there. I've buried them. There's nothing there. You don't take it. But Jesus said, if you live for God, he talked about the fool who spent everything on himself and was not rich toward God. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead of you. I want to ask you a question. 
How do you do that? How do you send something ahead of you? How do you live for God? How do you invest in the spiritual world that is to come? I'm going to give you two ways as we close today. You involve yourself in what God is doing. You involve yourself in what God is doing. You say, well, what is God doing? Well, I'll tell you one thing he's doing. He's working on you. The Bible says, faithful is he who calls you, who also will sanctify you, body, soul, and spirit. He's working on you. The Bible says you have been destined to be conformed to the image of his son and he makes everything work together for the good of that goal that the image of Jesus would be conformed and, and fashioned and molded and shaped in your life and God is working on you. The Bible says he that has begun a good work will finish it inside of you. So I want you to know what is God doing? God is working first on you. You are his construction project. God's got on a hard hat. And every day he's chiseling on you, fashioning you, working on you, shaping you, forming you. And we're supposed to cooperate with that. I said we're supposed to cooperate with that. The Bible says he that sows to a life of sin will reap corruption. It's a guarantee. But he that sows to the Spirit to what God is doing, will reap life everlasting. And so what is God doing? He's working on you. So you ought to sow time and energy into that. Have you thought about what you're going to do this year for your own personal spiritual growth? What is your plan? Surely you've got a plan. How many of you want to grow spiritually this year? Do you? Well, guess what? It's not going to chase you down and push you in a headlock and make you grow. You're going to have to cooperate with God. So what is your plan for spiritual growth this year? Do you have a plan? Have you, have you planned to set aside time? Have you planned to read your Bible? Have you planned to be faithful to church? Have you planned to involve yourself in what God is doing? Make your own personal spiritual growth a priority. You're investing in an eternal 401k. Hallelujah. Preach it, Pastor Jeff. I'm going to get this CD and give it away. I'm, sometimes I have to amen my, because you guys are thinking. Second, you've got to invest in the lives of other people. What is God doing? God is investing in the lives of other people. So we are to carry God's word, his love, his hope to them. Because that's what God is doing. Say, well, what is God doing? Out flinging other stars into space? Out creating other worlds or other creatures? No. God is on the hunt to save people, bless people, reach people, deliver people, heal people, talk to people. And so he's looking for people who will involve themselves in what he's doing. Listen to what the Bible says. The Lord's portion is his people. So what is God's treasure? God's treasure is people. God's treasure is people. Jesus said, whatever you do to or for, the least of these, my brethren, you have done it to or for me. 
Many of you saw the movie Schindler's List. Schindler's List was based on the true story of Oscar Schindler, who was a wealthy businessman who managed to save about 1,100 Jews from being gassed at the Auschwitz concentration camp. Schindler, at the end of the movie, as the war is over, and he's leaving the many Jews uh, that he has saved by employing them in his munitions factory, he spent his entire fortune to bribe German guards to let these Jews go. All the money that he had. As a wealthy businessman, he gave it to buy and bribe Jews away from the guards and away from the gas chambers. But as he looks at the ones who are standing in his factory, 1,100 Jews that he saved, he breaks down weeping, and here's what he says. I could have done more. They try to console him and say, man, you saved 1,100 people. But he points to his nice car, and he says, I could have solved it and saved a few more lives. Then he points to an expensive fountain pen and says, I could have sold it and this watch and saved a few more lives, maybe just one more life. It was money for a soul, money for a soul, money for a soul, money for a life. He was not a Christian, but he understood the value of eternal souls over temporary stuff. And if he understood it as a non-believer or a non-Christian, where does that leave us? We're to invest our lives in the ministry and the blessing of others. And when you love someone in the name of the Lord, bless them in the name of the Lord, reach them in the name of the Lord, help and support them in the name of the Lord, then the Bible says you are laying up treasures in heaven. Paul wrote these words, therefore, as we have opportunities, let us do good to all men. And most of all, the family of faith. This is how you lay up heavenly treasures. Don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you faint not. So Jesus said, let me tell you how to live life on this earth. Don't crown anything earthly your ultimate treasure. Invest in what God is doing. I love doing what God does. I'm going to get a reward for preaching to you today, the Word of God. I'm greedy about it. I want it. Now you go out and bless somebody else. Give that waitress at the restaurant a little card or something and invite him to church. If that waitress gets saved down the road, you're a part of that. You have invested in eternity. Invest in yourself. Can we stand up? According to Jesus in the talk on the hill, everyone has a treasure. What's yours? If your chief treasure is earthly, you're not a wise investor. Make a switch. Crown him your ultimate treasure. Wise treasuring is to make him your chief treasure. You're not going to take anything with you, but you can send it ahead. Don't you want to hear, well done, 
good and faithful servant. This one over here is here because of you. This one over there is here because of you. He that wins souls is wise because you're investing in eternity. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for giving us the wisdom and the talk on the hill how to live a wise life with a focus that keeps our eye clear and our body full of light. Help us, Lord, to avoid crowning anything our prime treasure that is not a part of you. Now, I want you to take a minute, church, and think of what your treasure is. And if it's not the Lord, would you consider right where you are saying, Lord, I'm going to make a switch today. I'm going to pursue you as my primary treasure. I'm going to be a chaser after God. As Tommy Tenney put it, a God chaser. I'm going to pursue you. And I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God. You pray while Jeff leads us in a moment of worship. Go ahead and just pray. Don't let your life be wasted. Thank you, Lord.